and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 7, The Road Not Taken. The original air date for this episode was November 10th, 1986. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, classic Cliff Bowl, mm-hmm. and was written by Stephen Cronish and Chuck Bowman. Um, why don't we get into a brief description of what this episode's about? In this episode, uh, Pete and MacGyver, a little team going on here, uh, are flying into hostile territory to rescue a nun and a bunch of orphans uh, who are going to be uh, presumably killed by a hostile military force. Right, yeah, and that's it's nice that we're having a, uh, a Pete and Mac together yeah. episode. We really haven't yeah. had them go on a mission together yet. Yeah, this, uh, that's true, isn't it? I mean, they've they've had either endings of missions or beginnings of missions, but like being out in the field together. Yeah, this is definitely the biggest Pete story so far. I mean, yeah. they both got trapped in Deathlock together, but that wasn't really a mission. That was supposed to be just them hanging yeah. out at the safe house. Yeah, exactly. This 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 was a plan, and like you know, you could argue, get prisoner of conscience. Prisoner of conscience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Pete didn't intend to bring MacGyver. Right. Yeah, that was. This. this, this and it was a, kind of undercover too. I don't think that was an official Phoenix Foundation mission. Right. So they, whereas this, this, this is clearly this is official official business. Yeah. Um, is it clear to us how they found out that this mission was going to be in trouble or no? Um, I think that either I'm assuming that given the relationship between Pete and the head nun, Sister Margaret, right. that he is either keeping tabs on her... Like or via that, satellite or something? Yeah, or she may have even sent him word, like, things are unstable, I might need your help. Yeah. Um, we're not sure. Uh, but Either he, way, we start with them in the helicopter already en route to, yeah. to rescue. Yeah. Um, they're crossing over the border from Thailand into the country where this takes place, yeah. which could be... Cambodia or Laos or yeah or uh, Burma or Burma I mean, which we've been it, in Burma before yeah so. I mean it, it, it currently I guess it's called Myanmar right um, but I you know because I doubt it's I doubt it's Malaysia because um, it just seems like yeah they're they're they seem like they're pretty far inland so I think you your your estimate of Cambodia is probably the closest yeah. to like what they were intending this country to be um yeah so yeah they're already in the air flying and. Uh, uh, Pete and MacGyver kind of hash out what's going on, and we get a glimpse of what's going on at the orphanage, and that's kind of how we're introduced to the characters of Deborah and Sister Margaret. Right, as uh, as Mac and Pete are describing them, we're seeing them yeah. on screen. And when we see this first shot of Margaret and MacGyver asks uh, how long it's been, and mm-hmm. Pete's answer is... Last time I saw Margaret, she was being chased across the Sahara with 15 children and a goat! Really? That was, that's the last... Thing he's Pete, you didn't do anything. <laughs> you didn't try and help her. That's the last time I saw her. There she goes. <laughs> I can't believe you're alive. Thought that desert would have killed you. Where's the goat? <laughs> That's what you get for rebuffing my advances. So basically, she was running through the desert with 15 children and a kid. Right. <laughs> 15 kids and a kid. <laughs> that sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> Fifteen kids and a kid and counting. This is copywritten of the Phoenix Foundation podcast. <laughs> Please don't take our idea about a show about sixteen goats. 
and uh, and it kind of like then cuts away from Mac and Pete's voiceover to a local villager coming into the orphanage compound, which looks vaguely familiar. Yes, it's it. Uh, we're pretty certain that this is Trumbo's place. Yeah, it it it's a very similar construction. The doors. I don't remember there being so many trees, but they might be shooting it from a different angle. Um, we, we know that a lot of that episode was shot, according to our interview with Peter Jurisic, that a lot of that was shot um, out by where they shot Fantasy Island, but I think that was more the river shots. Mm-hmm. So I think I think this is actually a stage on the on the lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely looks like a reuse of location from Trumpless World. And this guy, um, Khan, Khan. Yeah. is coming up to tell them that he spotted uh, some troops that are basically on the hunt here to to destroy this entire village, it seems like. Right. And Khan is also a reuse in terms of the name. <laughs> yeah, We've seen yeah, it twice yeah. before now. Once um, Khan was uh, Sid Haig's um, horse thief, mm-hmm. and then we saw it again in uh, The Escape. Yeah, he was the, the guy in the, the prison. The PCP lab owner. Right. And so this is our third Khan. Khan is coming in to tell Sister Margaret that uh, a group of military forces led by Shantara uh, are coming, basically, yeah, coming to get them. Oh, it's uncertain whether or not they'd kill the kids, but um, we'll find out that uh, Deborah and Sister Margaret are on a death list. Right. Like the the new government wants them dead specifically. Right. Uh, one because they're outsiders. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, there's a, a movie coming out soon. Uh, I think it's I think it's called either maybe no escape it's with owen wilson and uh pierce Bros- and pierce brosnan i think oh okay um like this family moves to uh, uh like southeast asia and there's an uprising and they're killing all the the westerners oh okay it's yeah pretty, it looks like pretty, a pretty yeah it's like a pretty intense movie yeah um obviously it borrowed from this episode it's probably really funny though if it's cut owen wilson yeah hilarious it's gonna be like behind enemy lines too <laughs> that level of comedy <laughs> which which was a thing right <laughs> Oh, that's true. There already was a sequel to that, huh? Yeah, there was. <laughs> Direct to DVD. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, Deborah and Sister Margaret now are leading the children down a secret passage that's right in the middle of the uh, compound. Like, right. know, like there's like a a false uh, floor, I guess. That even though it's outside, it's like yeah, a... it's like a, a stone shelf that looks like mm-hmm. it's just um, it's just like a platform, but the top of it slides off so they can right. all climb into it. Um, but Khan stays behind, and his right. logic is that he's going to talk to the soldiers until they can get away. Yeah, like it he's going to... doesn't gonna... seem like his staying behind actually had any uh, beneficial effect. Uh, he he was... It was a sacrifice. It was a right, self-sacrifice, right. Yeah. but it didn't really pay off because it didn't didn't work. Um, we're kind of... We, we cut back and forth between them and MacGyver and Pete. Like, they've landed with the helicopter, now they're on foot, and they're rappelling down a mountainside. Right. Uh... And they're kind of like having like like fun little banter back and forth between the two of them, like you know, you know what happens if the line gives out? You fall, you know. Maybe foreshadowing to something that'll happen from mm-hmm. to a character from our last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, obviously MacGyver once again terrified of heights, but finds himself in a situation where he yeah, rappelling down a cliff or yeah, later jumping out of a helicopter. <laughs> But again, we get we get such a great sense of how perfect the relationship between Pete and MacGyver are. Yeah. They like they get down to the bottom, and MacGyver's all, "I'm not rushing you, am I?" And Pete's all, "Hey, I may get there slower, but I get there." And then he starts going into a story, 
It's just like, and immediately they're getting shot. Yeah, at. they're immediately getting shot at. But it's just like, like they have such a good friendship. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it's it. This this back and forth is nothing to them. It's probably something that they do all the time. And um, most people, I think, would be like, "All right, something's happening. Like someone, they're shooting at them. Something interesting's happening." But we're just like, "I wonder what Pete's story was." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 any any kind of world building for Pete and MacGyver is always good. Yeah. Um. So they kind of they make a run for it, and now they're hiding from the troops. In the meantime, Deborah gets tired of waiting for whatever. I don't. We, we, you 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 had brought up that. You didn't. We didn't really understand what their long-term plan was for unless, this cave. Unless you're right, and she did get word out to Pete, and their plan was to just bunker down until a rescue mission came along. Mm-hmm. It seems like this was a pretty futile plan to just go underground yeah. and just sit in a cave, because they didn't bring enough food. Like they left a bunch of food on top of the door that they left. Through. Right. Right. Maybe that was the only purpose that Con was there to like stack food on top of the door. Oh yeah, that's true. Because they wouldn't have been able to close it. Yeah. Discreetly behind them. Yeah. That's a good point. We should also mention that Khan gets killed. Right. Uh, he thinks he's going to stall uh, Shantara, and he comes up to him and says, so where did they go? And basically, he he's just playing hardball. He's not going to say anything to him. And rather than belay the point, Shantara just pulls yeah. out a gun and shoots him yeah. immediately. Against the savior of you. Um, well, we should mention uh, that Sister Margaret is played by Salome Jens, right. um, who I know mostly from her work on uh, Deep Space Nine, right. where she plays uh, the head of the Dominion, a female shapeshifter, who's never really given a name. Um, I think she's just known as the female shapeshifter. Female shapeshifter, shapeshifter yeah, yeah, that's what the credit is. Um, uh, and, and I had brought up, too, to mention that she basically wore the same make- makeup for an episode of uh, TNG, where she's supposed to be this... The, the gist of the episode was that all of the humanoid life forms in the galaxy came from one life form. And she plays that life form? Yeah. That makes sense, though, that they would be shapeshifters. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's weird. It's not meant to be the same character. Right. Or but, or even the same race. Yeah. It was just, I think they, they just got this idea from it for, for the shapeshifter race, for yeah. for the look for René Abergenois. We're getting off topic, though. We're talking right. about Star Trek and uh, MacGyver. Uh, we should also mention, too, that um, Khan... Uh, he has a lot of, of credits on his IMDb, mm-hmm. but probably one of the most interesting was he was Obi-Wan Cannoli on the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> Super Show. Uh, so I just, that, that inspired a giggle from me. I, I want to know if that was a live action character for the Super Show or an animated character for the Super Show. Oh, that's true. It could be either because he yeah. did do voices. He's done, yeah. He has voice work. Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> <laughs> May you rest in peace. Um... And uh, and Deborah is played by Marilyn Jones. Right. Which, when I first heard the name, I thought, isn't that the girl from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? But that's Marilyn Burns. Oh. <laughs> it's close enough. So Deborah gets tired of waiting, uh, and she's going to go out and guess look around uh, to see if maybe for there's soldiers a... to kill her. Presumably. Yeah, I, I guess I think she's trying to look for maybe an opening that they can slip a whole bunch of kids through quietly. Yeah. But uh, that's really not very smart. But anyway, um, instead of uh, finding a, uh, an opening, she's tackled by MacGyver, who thinks she's a soldier. Right. Walking by. Wearing a Detroit, Detroit Tiger shirt. shirt. <laughs> There's a very effeminate soldier coming. I'm going to tackle him. <laughs> also a Midwestern sports fan. I will tackle him <laughs> or her. Uh 
and um, you know MacGyver immediately recognizes her, and uh, and she knows MacGyver, and uh, she's going to take them back to the cave where Sister Margaret is. But before that, we have a mild flashback. Yeah, it's of, really quick. It's just the one shot of him. Yeah. Basically, reading a Dear John letter. I almost think it maybe has been was added after, because it, it's so dark where it's shot. Is it's it could be anywhere. I bet you it is added after because they make a point as soon as it finishes that she says, "Oh, your hair was so much shorter then," mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh, and yours was longer," but it's like that's because her hair was longer in the headshot that they used as yeah. like this portrait that he kept on his desk. And he probably got a haircut after the episode. And then they were like, Oh, well, whatever. I guess we'll just say that you were younger here. Yeah. Like that was the plan the whole time. I, I guess like they, they, maybe they felt that the relationship wasn't, as, wouldn't be established enough to the dialogue. Yeah. We need to see a hair change or else this is going to seem real fake. <laughs> it's been eight years though. We're led to believe that this is an eight year difference. Mm-hmm. Which makes MacGyver 20. According to some math. Or 21, maybe, by this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Target it is about, about a year later. We're using some target MacGyver math. You know, it's the classic... Uh, he, she gets In the flashback, she, she's leaving him with the, the classic Dear John letter. Right. Um, I was trying to find out the origin of the Dear John letter on <laughs> my side notes. <laughs> um, it's just like one of those things that just came about. Most likely, they say, from World War II. Yeah. When a soldier would get a letter... Uh, saying, like, uh, I'm not waiting for you to come back. Kind of I thought thing. it had something to do with getting dumped like a John as a toilet. See, I th- I went the other way. I thought maybe, like, a Dear John letter was, like, if a guy fell in love with a prostitute. And, like, <laughs> she has to end it. Because oh, this is... I can't imagine a prostitute being eloquent enough to, like, write a letter explaining, look, I'm know. really sorry we can't continue like, this relationship. Dear John, because... <laughs> That's what you would be. Yeah. You would be a John. Um, I legitimately thought maybe that was the case. It's still possible. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Um, so um, she, le- uh, Deb leads MacGyver and Pete to this underground cave where all these kids are being kept. And then we have Margaret and Pete do their reunion thing. Mm-hmm. Because this, the, it's, it's kind of a parallel between Deborah MacGyver and Pete and Sister Margaret. Yeah. It's these two old loves or I, I think that uh, Pete always knew Margaret as sister Margaret probably. Right. Um, but uh, there, there's a tension. There's like, right. there, there's some mixed feelings between them. Yeah. So now that they're in the cave and they're hiding out, uh, MacGyver wants to kind of get a lay of the land. So he asks Deborah to take him to the front entrance to, uh, that, that leads back to the orphanage. Right. Because uh, they figure that it'll be only be a matter of time before someone finds the, the opening. And so MacGyver's going to rig up some uh, booby Like a traps. poor man's burglar alarm. Yeah. And he makes uh, basically what's supposed to look like a homemade bomb, but ends up just being like a sparkler. Right. To kind of be a, a classic distraction. And so, like... We're, you know, we kind of see him put together this little thing. Like he, he brought a baseball from a little kid to get the string, and it's it's all pretty simple. Like it's nothing. It's not really any crazy MacGyverisms yeah. because it's the kind of MacGyverism that I could come up with. Yeah, the I guess the only exception would be the sparkler because we're never, but we never really get how that works. Right, because it, it doesn't work at yeah. all. Yeah, he just kind of says like animal fat and kerosene. Yeah, and I don't think it would make those kinds of sparks. Yeah. But also, it's totally ineffective mm-hmm. later. 
And uh, during this construction, we find out why Deborah and Sister Margaret are on the death list. Is because uh, uh, the government troops were beating a man to death, and Sister Margaret threw herself over him so that they couldn't right. beat him without hitting her. And, uh, and then she let Khan stay behind. Mm-hmm. Terrible. So we're, we don't get much information about Shantara before we see him, but all throughout this episode, we get these inklings of him being like an expert tracker. Right. He seems to really know everything about every possible ploy or distraction. Um, when they find the opening, which he finds like really kind of just Pretty makes quickly, a... quickly, yeah. Yeah. He find, they find a shoe... And is it a just, whole shoe, or is it just the sole of a shoe? It doesn't even. I, I think it was a shoe. sandal. I think, but it was a very Maybe thin, thinly worn sandal. Um, and he immediately says, "This thing is a door." Like he doesn't say it, but he, yeah, he, just, he starts just pushes pushing it open. It. Yeah, and he knows which side to push on and everything. Um, uh, Shantara, by the way, we should explain, is played by this episode's second Dana, mm-hmm. and that's Dana Lee, who um, most people I think would probably recognize for, from Rambo Two, although he was also. I think one of the forefathers in Lethal Weapon 4. Yeah. He was, he's in that movie, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the forefathers. Right. I'm the oh. forefather. It's definitely not uh, Benny. Right, yeah, he's Uncle not Benny. Benny, and he's not uh, the guy that um, was living with Danny Glover either. Right. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's one of the, the bad guys. So, you know, MacGyver's burglar alarm goes off, and so they're getting the kids out, and so he runs towards the troops, MacGyver, that is. Right, and, and he's he got throws his, his little... Yeah, but we, we this is like where we see like like how Shantara asks like he he doesn't like hide from the bomb like his men does he just walks right up to it and grabs it yeah he, he just al- picks it up yeah he already suspects that this isn't real right um, I don't know why he's so confident in that though I mean because he doesn't know that it's MacGyver mm-hmm. if MacGyver threw a thing that I thought was a bomb I would get away from it yeah because MacGyver very commonly throws bombs as distractions. Um, yeah, because, yeah, he use, he does use actual explosives as yeah. distractions most of the time. Yeah, he threw a grenade at John Delancey once as a <laughs> distraction. <laughs> I'm going to use this grenade as a distraction. You right. mean as a grenade? <laughs> right. I'm going to distract them from being alive. <laughs> so this manages to give them a head start, and uh, the helicopter has arrived at the clearing, and... It kind of seems like that they're not going to make it in time, like like to the helicopter. But then they do, yeah. and it's like okay, they're they're taking off. This is this is becoming a little too easy. Yeah. Uh, but that's when Shantara's men arrive, and they just start opening fire on the helicopter. And you can see several parts of the helicopter get damaged, as well as the pilot taking a hit in the leg, uh, which causes them to jostle the flight stick. Right. And uh, so this does this rapid tip. Deborah falls out and oh my gosh head such, first head first she she is tumbling out of this helicopter I was sure watching this that this was a shot of her dying mm-hmm. and then Mac jumps out too and you're just like oh okay well she must be fine because otherwise yeah. there's no reason he would have jumped out well because you think like like MacGyver's gonna look out the helicopter and go like no yeah like, exactly if like, she'd have been dead he would have stayed in the helicopter and just been like oh shoot lost cause but if he jumps out too then it's like okay she's fine yeah yeah and sure enough they both get up like it's nothing even though they just fell 30 some feet yeah. out of a helicopter head Re- first really soft sand um, um we should mention though too that this pilot piloting the helicopter yeah who got shot in the leg 
has played a pilot on MacGyver before. Mm-hmm. That was in the very first opening gambit. He's the pilot in the little bamboo cage on the top of the, yeah, on the top of the uh, Central Asian uh, mountain range or whatever. What is that thing it's called? It's supposed to be Mongolia. Right. It's but Mongolia, but it was the Mesa there yeah, on the yeah. top of the Mesa. MacGyver does that sweet knife throw. Right. So, and uh, you, were, you were pointing out that most of his IMDb credits are actually like Foley work, mm-hmm. which he's working on a bunch of shows that are on, like even right now, he's working yeah. on. And he's, um, and he's won some Emmys. Right. Uh, and so it's like, it's really impressive because he does the acting. I think most of his acting is probably related to doing sound though yeah it's like, like voice work for background yeah but um he's he does fully work on like um agents of shield right now and outlander and a couple other shows but he's yeah. just all over the place have we said his name yet <laughs> uh i don't think we have his name is richard partlow um very i was looking him up uh very interesting life like a very like he was in the marines he was a private detective. He was then all of a sudden he just became an actor. Like someone spotted him and said, "Hey, you want to be in a play?" And it, it's like it's just like how it's amazing, like how quickly his life changes. Yeah. But in did, this, in did, this, he's a pilot. Did he do sound work on MacGyver? I don't think so. I think I, don't think I think he had any sound credits on that. That was just yeah, an acting gigs. Just 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 acting gigs. So Deborah and MacGyver are now on the ground, and Pete leans out of the helicopter and yells, Bulgaria! Right. And it's such a weird code code word. Um, but I'm assuming that this is like a, a kind of a um, twice-dung type, like, remember what we had to do when we were in Bulgaria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like they have an established code word for, I'm going to come back every six hours until I see you. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, when he first said Bulgaria, I was like, well, you weren't in the Bulgaria episode, Pete. Like yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. And it had nothing to do with, like, a rendezvous. Right, yeah. Because they, they leave the country by just sneaking over a fence into Greece at the end yeah. of that one. They don't, even, they don't even leave the country by air. They don't even sneak in. So, uh, Mac and Deborah, like, you know, this is where Mac tells Deborah that Bulgaria means that he's going to come back. Right. In a couple, in I think it was eight hours. Oh, is it eight? Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, but the helicopter was like really badly damaged. It's like smoking. the The pilot says that they're losing losing oil. He's been shot, and uh, they don't know if they're going to even be able to land. And we're seeing wide shots of this the helicopter veering back and forth with smoke pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, it clears up enough for you to see that there's nobody in this. Yeah, helicopter. It's, it's absolutely it's, empty. It's just a pilot. While Mac and Deborah are kind of like making their way through the brush, they cross a small creek, and then as they come out of the other side, MacGyver tells her to stop, and then walk backwards through her footprints. Right. Um, I guess what they're trying to do is leave, leave a false trail, but it doesn't go far enough. Yeah, it only goes like four or five steps up to these bushes, mm-hmm. and even if it had fooled them, it would only have led them that far off the path, and then they would have been like. Okay, well, there's no more footprints on this side of the river, so yeah. maybe they just went back into the river. Yeah, but then how would you know which way up the river they went? Yeah, you wouldn't. It would be... You'd have 50, that's 50. the whole point, is that you're, that's why you go to a river when you're leaving footprints. But people also don't leave such easy-to-follow footprints most of the yeah. time. Unless you're walking in wet sand like mm-hmm. you would in a river. You're actually more likely to get tracked walking yeah. along a river. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the, the pilot manages to roughly land the helicopter 
and uh, Pete has to put out a fire in it with an extinguisher or else keep it from exploding because they need the helicopter at least at all. I mean, they can't lose the helicopter if they're going to go back for Mac. Right. As badly damaged as it is. Right. But it's a nice opportunity to get to show him as like a self-sacrificing character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also not have to use a second helicopter. <laughs> it's a good budgetary scene. We, 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 we don't have enough for a second helicopter, so... Let alone one we have, a fake one we have to build to blow up. Yeah. Um, this is where we're introduced to uh, Gilbert Arnaud. Arnaud. Or, or Arnaud, I think they call him. Yeah. Gilbert Arnaud. Who is the the head of the refugee camp that they're, oddly enough, taking refugee in. Yeah. Um, uh, it was, I guess it was like their rendezvous, although Gilbert doesn't seem to know that they're coming. Right. Uh, he like, And then Pete seems surprised that he's there. He's like, what's a Frenchman doing? Running a refugee in Thailand. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, this is all former French territory." I mean, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that there are some French still there. Uh, thought that was kind of a weird thing to say, but also, again, like it, it seemed like this this was not a plan to come here. Right. Because Pete would right. know who was, who was running it. Uh, but apparently, there's also another refugee camp twenty kilometers away, so that's, that's not true. even that far to the next one. So. Uh, Pete asks Gilbert if he can find someone to help fix the helicopter because uh, it, it's in not in good shape. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we're kind of going back, going back and forth between Pete and Margaret with the helicopter and Mac and Deborah out on the run. Right. Uh, uh, at this point, um, uh, Shantara follow, follows the footsteps up out of the river mm-hmm. and immediately is like, oh. They stopped here, and then he turns back and he looks at the footprints and he says, "Their footprints are deeper than ours." Those fat Americans. Yeah. <laughs> no, he says, um, "Their footprints are deeper than ours." They, they, they backtracked to, into the river. Quick, let's follow the river. Mm-hmm. Like he just knows the river would lead in the right direction and just assumes it, one one direction over the other as far as yeah. following the actual river. Um, I mean, I guess like you know their their plan is maybe to head for the, yeah because he doesn't know that they're trying to head. Back the to the clearing. Back he to doesn't the know what Bulgaria is code for. Yeah. So, yeah, he t- I guess he just took a gamble uh, that they would head downriver. But for some reason, I believe that Shantara would have guessed this right. Yeah, because he's obviously got the footprint thing yeah, right away. He, but he knows what he's doing. This guy, every time Mac tries to zig him, he gets it. He's zagged. He, he doesn't get zagged. He zigs. <laughs> he zigs right along behind MacGyver. <laughs> you got to zig and then zig again. Just keep digging. They'll never expect it. Um, so, uh, in the meantime, Pete and Margaret have gotten, gotten the bad news that there's no one available to fix the helicopter. Right. The so, closest place is 20 kilometers away, and the mechanic's not even there. Yeah. So, uh, they're going to try to fix it themselves. Uh, so, Deborah and Mac have another moment where they're kind of talking, and Mac does this really weird thing. He does it twice in the episode. Where he just starts feeling her face. Right. It, it, it's. It's very awkward. Yeah, it's not a. It's not a very like. It's not. It's not a tender like cheek rub or anything like that. It's just I like. I think the what what makes it awkward is that they're not right next to each other. They're kind of far apart. Yeah. And it's it's that much weirder that he's reaching the full length of his arm to mm-hmm. touch her face. Where just, if they were like right next to each other and he was just caressing it, that would be one thing. Yeah. But he's reaching as far as he can to just pet the side of her face. Yeah. With just like his fingertips. Like yeah. it's not like a, like a, 
like a like a loving slide of the hand. Yeah. And it, it looks like she's going to try and bite off one of his fingers yeah, before she like recoils. From yeah. Her. Um, they decide to rig up uh, another distraction with uh, some tree branches. Right. They're going to build a catapult or a trebuchet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess I would I would classify this more as a catapult. I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, even though the the odd trigger triggering device of right, she, she she just happens to have like these crystalline rosary beads with her. Yeah. Um, we're getting subtle hints as to her though as well with this. Um, that you know she's carrying around a rosary. Right, and that she works with Sister Margaret mm-hmm. and all these children in a foreign country. Uh, yeah, it's like we're slowly getting an idea about uh her quote-unquote true calling right um so macgyver though he coils up the beads uh to he says he needs to make a wide enough coil that it'll catch the sun for longer Mm -hmm. Um, but apparently these beads are just perfect for magnifying the sun into what he uh, calls a sun fuse yeah like it's a it's like a perfect beam um enhanced by uh some visual effects right um the same visual effects that produced this same effect in Ugly Duckling yeah, when yeah, they're yeah. lighting the uh, the cartridge on fire in the shotgun. Um, yeah, so as Shantara's men approach and the, the beam finally cuts through the the trigger, you know, all these rocks go flying and the Shantara's men are opening fire up into the brush. And then Shantara makes a couple of really big logical leaps. Right. He says... If the rocks are landing around us, that means they're coming from over there and just points. Yeah. He didn't say the rocks are coming from that direction. He just said that they're landing around us. Yeah. And so somehow he's able to determine, I mean, I guess you could, by whichever way they're rolling, Yeah. figure out where they're coming from. But then he, he says, so if they wanted to distract us over there and make us think that they were heading away from it, so they're then actually they're heading that towards it. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, MacGyver is now barely able to one-up him in this situation because they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, they're, they're like, actually they're like 100 yards ahead of Shantara because he keeps figuring out exactly when they turned around. Mm-hmm. Maybe if he spent less time petting her face. And like, uh, when, when they set up this timer of the thing cutting through the vine, mm-hmm. that's when he, like, really slowly, like, has this conversation with her and starts touching her face, and it's like... You guys should be running right now. You just yeah. set a timer for a distraction. With Shantara's men kind of going off into another direction again, they Mac and Deborah have another time to discuss why she left him. Right. And uh, she had, I guess she just had a feeling. Like uh, they don't say how she knew, but she said that she knew that MacGyver was going to propose to her. Right. Which is a big deal for as far as MacGyver's character. Yeah, because um, we haven't gotten as far as like a fiance. Although it seemed like maybe that was something that he had considered for Amy from Flame's End. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. But obviously, like you, know, they were dating in Flame's End, and right. he wanted her to go with him. Yeah. And that probably would have been a romantic proposal kind of trip. Yeah. Um, but this was more like she was afraid of settling down. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because then she says the reason that she couldn't go through with it is because she knew that he wouldn't settle down. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, oh, you're kind of flip-flopping here. Yeah. Come on, John Kerry. Oh, <laughs> <What>? topical humor. <laughs> so um, 
Mac get, manages, as he often does with a lady, to squeeze in a kiss. Right. And at this point, they are spotted by one of Shantara's scouts, who sees them and then decides to go hide in he a bush. He hides from them. And then pops out again, only to and open shoots fire. shoots at them, yeah. So he has a gun, and he hid from two unarmed people who he was in pursuit of. And then he remembered what was going on. Right. Some um, of the drugs wore off, and then he started shooting at them. And and MacGyver grabs Deborah, and they they go to the ground pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I, I thought what was going to happen here was that one of them was going to be okay, but the other one was actually going to be wounded and not tell the other one that they took a bullet. So it's going to be like a Ramon situation. Yeah. And uh, but that didn't actually like, like it would have been a great opportunity because it yeah, would have yeah. like it would have increased the stakes and put a, like a ticking clock that oh god you need a doctor I'm finally gonna answer my calling <laughs> yeah but they're actually both fine and uh, they just start kind of running again both both of our a lot of our act breaks for this episode are them running away from Shantara's men right and so Shantara hears these gunshots and realizes oh one of my men found something or they're just shooting again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go back to the helicopter where they've actually uh, Pete and Margaret have slowly been able to to actually get the helicopter working or in working order, not actually working yet. Right. Uh, they call over the pilot, and he, he he can get the blades to turn, but the fuel isn't isn't igniting. Right. So. Um, and the pilot recognizes that they're missing the igniter. Yeah. And which so, is a piece that shouldn't it wouldn't have just fallen out of the plane and they had it earlier yes because they were able to fly and land so it's something that has gone missing since then Mm -hmm. which since since they've arrived yeah which is immediately cast suspicion over the only person (laughs) that that we've possibly have done it that wasn't a part of this team yeah unless you're assuming that the pilot is such a dick that he got shot in the leg and stole the igniter from his own helicopter so that he wouldn't have to fly it anymore. Uh, <laughs> then wanna... everybody's thinking Gilbert is up to up to no good. Just like the pilot at the uh, Nielsen uh, flight school. Right, exactly. I don't want to fly anymore. I got shot down. They made me dig graves. The three of them, actually, it's kind of interesting. Like Pete asks the pilot to go looking around for where the part might be. Yeah. And tells Margaret to go search the children's barracks. I thought that was pretty interesting, too. That he says that's the last place they would expect us to look for it, so maybe he hid it there. And mm-hmm. it's not even where he ended up hiding yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, it's it's just not an where interesting it is. point. And uh, it were, you know, so Pete's goes sneak around in Gilbert's office. And uh, it's funny because, like, he comes across, like, several locked drawers. Which and, he goes through the trouble of unlocking. Yeah, but only to find that they do not contain the igniter. And then he finds it in a drawer that wasn't locked. <laughs> yeah. Which is really Gobert's problem. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I really should have locked that drawer. Yeah. That, maybe that's why he was going back. If I didn't have so much paperwork in my locked drawers, maybe I could have <laughs> used one of those. Keep the narcotics in the locked drawers. <laughs> um. So uh, while Pete's rummaging around, we have Gilbert actually come back and get on the radio with Shantara. But oh, but actually, we got I got ahead because Mac and Deborah are captured, um, and uh, they're caught as they try to make their way back to the clearing. Right. And MacGyver even comments like, "I'm wondering how they found us so quickly. Uh, like how they know we were going right back to the same clearing that they found yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. And at what time?" And uh, so this is where Pete sees Gilbert come in to his office and get on the radio with Shantara and tell him, like, you know, oh, don't worry, I sabotaged the helicopter. Oh, good, you caught 
MacGyver, just remember you owe me money kind of thing. Right. Um, and then we get a great moment from Pete. Right. Where's like he's like because the guy realizes the igniter's gone. Mm-hmm. And Pete comes and goes looking for this, and then this full on just sucker punches cracks him. him real hard in the face. Yeah, like he goes down onto the desk onto the floor. He knocks over his own giant radio on the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, while we see Mac and Deb in captivity, they're led back to the village where there, it looks like there's another person being held hostage in yeah. the square. I'm not sure who this, this person is because we haven't seen any other adult males that mm-hmm. were members of this village. It really looked like Khan again. I thought maybe they had propped up his body like, t- for display. And then shot it down again to make them think that they just killed him. I because don't they, know. Because yeah. they do shoot this person again and kill the person to make an example of them or something. And uh, he has like this board strapped to uh, his arms right. where that uh, has a writing on it displaying what Shantara says is his the charges, crimes. Yeah. yeah. The crimes against him. So uh, he presents two of those to MacGyver, one, one to MacGyver and one to Deborah. Yeah, he, he busts into the, the hut that he's holding them hostage in. And he gives each of them their card of crimes. And uh, MacGyver holds it up, and it's all written in Cambodian or Thai or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's illegible to an English reader. And <laughs> MacGyver holds it up and just looks at it and says, Hey, you spelled my name wrong. And then he just punches him real hard in the stomach. <laughs> and he and I don't know, I think what makes me laugh the hardest, I mean, the joke is funny on its own. Mm-hmm. But how loudly he, he shouts when he gets punched yeah. <laughs> makes it that much funnier. Because it's just like, he totally didn't expect that comment to backfire. Right, right. <laughs> and then Shantara's like, oh, it's a shame that your sense of humor is being wasted on me alone. And the guy in the background's like, I, I, that was I, hilarious. I, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, he doesn't say that, but he should no. have. Um, so, uh, Mac and Deborah are locked away in this little supply room, right. which is the worst place you does the, you don't lock MacGyver don't, in a supply yeah, room. Yeah, a supply room, really? That's, he's, he could actually make a real bomb in here. He doesn't even need a fake sparkler. Yeah, I, you think Shantara, as clever as he is, would know not to put MacGyver in a room full of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, though, that, because she says this used to be the old kitchen. Like, they got a brand new kitchen with a bunch much better stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, but this still seems pretty well stocked for an old kitchen that they don't use anymore. Right. It, it has the weird assortment of stuff. Like, it's got paper towels and fertilizer. Right. And, and canned goods. Yeah. Onions in a bag. It's just like, you keep a lot of weird things together. <laughs> Funnels. Uh, uh. You know, rocket ingredients. Exactly. Which, oddly enough, uh, <laughs> MacGyver plans to build a rocket, a signal flare, to let Pete know that they won't be meeting him at the clearing, but right. that they'll, they need to be picked up from the orphanage. Right. In the meantime, because Shantara believes, one, that the helicopter has been disabled, but still suspects that uh, Pete might be mas- mounting a rescue. Um, They're basically going to the clearing every eight hours. And trying to shoot at the helicopter. Yeah. Um, but Mac and Deborah uh, <laughs> fake a hanging. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. She starts screaming and a guard comes in and they just 
basically clock the guard with their board with all their crimes written on yeah. it and knock him unconscious. Yeah, Mac- MacGyver's fake hanging himself, much like uh, the opening with Robert Davi and the Goonies. Right. Uh, it also kind of reminds me of um, what MacGyver did in uh, in Burma, you know, when he's on the sun rack. Yeah. Like a guard comes over and he knocks him unconscious and then just gets right back on the rack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you could just keep doing this until you kill everybody. <laughs> the Shantar doesn't have that many men. Yeah, but so they knocked this one guard out, and then just closed the door. And said, All right, we got what we needed. A knocked out guard. Uh, MacGyver starts working on building a rocket, but uh, they need to get Shantara's men out of the orphanage. Right. So they leave the door propped open, so that Shantara's men kind of come in and see that the guards this been guy's knocked unconscious out. Conscious, and they're not there anymore. Yeah. Because they're hiding in these two potato sacks. <laughs> So, I like that, I like that they decide to completely wrap themselves wreck, in the sacks yeah, instead of like, just hide behind them. Exactly. Yeah, since nobody checks behind them or anything. Mm-hmm. Move, move these person-shaped sacks of why potatoes. Why are there empty? Why did this? There's just potatoes all over the floor in here. This is weird. Weren't these in a bag before? Put those in those breathing bags over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, expecting that MacGyver. Uh, and Deborah have escaped. They immediately set out for the clearing. And, uh, you know, so Pete manages to get the helicopter flying. And so they're, but they're kind of circling the clearing looking for MacGyver and Deborah. Yeah. And Shantar is there. And he, every time the helicopter kind of comes by, he's just having his own men shoot at it. Right. Like but they're not, they're not low enough that they could actually get shot again. The pilot's being careful not to, mm-hmm. not to be too low and he's letting pete know i can't get any lower than this because they're shooting at us so there's no way i could land here even if we did see them yeah yeah yeah. um part of the putting the macgyver's like flare rocket together is he takes some wire off of a broom right which the, the part of the broom that holds all the bristles, all the bristles together. together and he uses the wire to cut through a piece of bamboo but he's gripping it just with his hands and like sliding it back and forth, it's like that would cut up your hands to pieces. Yeah, I mean, really, the same pressure that's being applied to the bamboo is being applied to your fingers. Yeah. So, what's stronger, your fingers or bamboo? I would think that this would be cutting through your fingers much faster. Yeah, like at least like wrap them around like a stick or or something else that you can use as an intermediary. Yeah. But he's just using his hands. Um, he makes good time cutting through it though, um, and. Uh, like he like bundles a whole bunch of matchsticks together uh, for an explosive, right? And uh, which is great, and, they, which really works. Yeah. Um, you ever seen like the way they do that with tennis balls stuff? Uh, just the match heads. Yeah. Not the whole match. Yeah. Yeah, and the tennis balls. Oh, yeah. it's nuts. You need strike anywhere matches. Mm-hmm. Yes, <clears throat> that's you, important. You cut all the heads off, and this is all like anarchist cookbook. Yeah, anarchist cookbook stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't be sharing this stuff. It's not actually match heads. It's uh, doll heads. Doll heads, kids. yeah. You use doll heads. Strike anywhere doll heads. Strike anywhere doll heads. <laughs> For, like, teaching children how to abuse children. Strike this head anywhere. <laughs> this is this is getting so horrible. Um, uh, so MacGyver lights the rocket, goes up, boom, as it would, because MacGyver made it. Um, and so the helicopter changes course, and that's when Shatar realizes that he's been had. That he's been lured out of the village where they're going to be rescued from. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the helicopter doesn't land, though. Pita rolls out a, a metal ladder for right. them to kind of cling to. 
which now when I was watching Deborah holds onto the ladder how I would hold onto the ladder. Throws an arm over it with, yeah. into her armpit. Yeah. Exactly. That seems the, to be. But the, MacGyver's just holding on to yeah, the bar with his hands. Yeah, he's just holding on. But we also learned earlier in this episode that he has titanium hands. So that's that's why. He has titanium hands. Yeah, that's why they weren't getting hurt when he was cutting the bamboo. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. He's got he's got that kung fu grip. Yeah. Um. It just it just makes me nervous. Actually, those two scenes in conjunction with each other is particularly troubling because his fingers would be raw from that. Yeah, <laughs> like my fingers hurt from flossing, <laughs> like just grabbing the floss and like. But working. to be fair, you're very you're a weakling, right? Yeah. So. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> I get a paper cut and I plead for a week. <laughs> so we're kind of we we get this little like. Like little afterthought, like a act, mini Act Five of Pete telling MacGyver that the authorities are going to arrest Gilbert, and uh, Sister Margaret's going to run the refugee camp at least for a time. Right. And uh, a little side story we didn't mention that MacGyver makes a deal with a little kid for baseball. Yeah. Well, you did mention that he borrows the baseball from the kid yeah. to use in the burglar trap. Um. But. He the agreement was that he gets the old ball and would give the kid a new one. Right. But then he also gives him the glove too. Right. Yeah. And uh, this is where like. And then he sets him up with his own team to coach down in Florida. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I got this great coach for you. Basically, uh, Pete and Sister Margaret get to have their little heart to heart farewell goodbye. Yeah. And MacGyver and Deborah get their and so it's it's kind of like. Both, both Pete, of these dudes are getting dumped for God at the same time. Yeah. And they both kind of have like this heavy, heavy heart and just give this kind of, kind of solemn wave goodbye. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Like MacGyver walks back and he just says like, I'll never meet anyone like her. And then Pete's just like, I know exactly how you feel. Cause they're both going through the same thing. Yeah. But it's another bonding moment for them. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just have, they have each other. Yeah. That's all that matters. Really, that is all that matters. Pete's also married. <laughs> so, he really, no, I'm just kidding. He's, he's not. He's not married? He's married to his work. Right. And he's cheating on it with a nun. <laughs> cheating on his, on his work. Right. Which was to rescue the nun. Right. With uh, the, that very nun. Yeah. Um, I like this episode. I, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's it's a lot of running around for MacGyver and like I guess like the two the two real big MacGyverisms of like the rocket and the fake bomb. Yeah. Because the rest of the stuff is just kind of like tying branches together or tying string to a bucket. That's not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not really like overly elaborate. elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really overly rabbit. <laughs> um, uh, it's pretty simple stuff. Uh, so I really didn't count them as MacGyverisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, the rocket, the rocket's pretty cool. Um, I, did you ever build rockets, like, in school? Like, in, like, your... From kits. Not yeah, like, from kits. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, oh, God, that was so much fun. I didn't build it from fertilizer and matches and, <laughs> and uh, But you could. Bamboo. I, I'm pretty sure I couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of bamboo around here to go around. Yeah. Um... And, uh, but yeah, it was, it's a good episode. It's an episode I definitely remember, um, because I always remember the, uh, the sliding door into the tunnel. 
for some reason that always sticks out in my mind yeah. out of this episode because the rest if they'd have known it was there earlier they could have hidden from the ants down there yeah <laughs> if only they knew no no see they do and they inherit the earth oh. so trumbo says when they thought that they burned them right they just start coming out of the ground again yeah i thought this whole place was supposed to have burned to the ground <laughs> Well, he told him he told he the guy to come back in a year. That's right. It's been about a year, a year and one episode. <laughs> true, true to his word, yep, he MacGyver came back. came back. Wow. Trumbo, Trumbo's left though. Yeah, Trumbo's gone. He's he's. He also moved his entire encampment to mm-hmm. Asia, Southeast Asia, from where South America, Central America, South yeah, America, South America. This is in the Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, it was, it was a good episode. Yeah, it's nice. It's a, uh, it's one of those helping children in a third world country, and also getting Mac and Pete out on the field and having mm-hmm. them bond over like lost loves. Yeah, not only in the field but playing the field. Right. And ah. yeah, see a little thing there. That's good. And uh, but both are both strike out. Yeah, both strike out. Uh, God, God two, MacGyver Pete zero. Yeah, Phoenix Foundation zero. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up for season two, episode seven, "The Road Not Taken." Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us with any comments about this or future episodes or past episodes, yeah, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And uh, as always, you can find us on our website at phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. If you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. And tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 8, Eagles. Eagles. Uh, It's the one where he saves some eagles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, from poachers. Sounds like uh, rescuers down under to me. Yeah, Marahute. But that was after this, right? It had to be. That was long after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll draw more comparisons between those two <laughs> on next week's episode. So you have that to look forward to. Yeah. I'm so sorry for you. But thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.